Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, just before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like a lot, a lot. So be advised. So we're just two idiots with a mic. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm Taylor. And And this is episode, it's my part now, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And this is episode 75, and I have no voice. No, not at all. Like, this is our take two, day two of this episode, because we tried yesterday. We tried hard, okay? And this is is exactly how Taylor sounded. So so then she was... (laughs) Guys, I tried my best. I tried my best. I like, cried whenever Morgan left because I was so frustrated that I can't talk. Today, it's a lot better. I was on vocal rest. She was on vocal rest, um, and she did this to herself in Nashville because she goes headbanger on any type of live band. And what's so crazy is it wasn't like I was doing anything that I've never done before. Right. I, I guess it's just I've been to Nashville too often. <laughs> I can just see you up there. And it was screaming mainly just talking. I think over the loud music. Like That's I love the loud music. Part yeah, about Nashville. Yeah, like I love live music. Trust me. Like don't get me wrong. I love it. It's just if I'm having to scream over, yeah, then it's just not gonna happen. It's game over. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna have you guys bear with us, please, for this episode. Um, we have to get it out. We want to get it out for you. It's such a good episode. And we would hate to be like, sorry, no episode because we don't have a voice. But um, yeah. we're going to figure it out. And even if Morgan has to take over some spots to let me rest. Yeah. But to let the to give the vocals a rest. I might be picking coins. up here and there. Yeah. I'm going but to it'll the be doctor fine tomorrow. because <laughs> this episode is just a little different. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a good one. We, I, don't, I don't know how we had the foresight to do this. I know it's like the universe told us like you guys need we haven't to do done this. one of these in a long time I know and it just really worked out for us today and they're like what are you talking about you'll see yeah you'll see you'll figure you it out you probably know from the title because there's only one but because there's only one <laughs> the title exactly yeah uh, um, so we good. wanted to thank you guys for such success on the merch launch yes. it was awesome and we feel so loved and we are so shocked actually it was great it was a great merch launch and Um, I don't know what I was expecting, but I don't think I was expecting what you guys did. No, me neither. Y'all went ham. 
with our merch. <laughs> Y'all are so awesome, man. Yeah, we. I think we're going to add like socks and a sticker if anybody wants we got that. Some, we got some requests and it's just like whatever you guys want, you get. Just let us like, know. We love you so much. We'll we really want to have, but the, um, the online place that we use doesn't have regular hats. They only have bucket hats right now, which I guess would be cute for summer, but... Yeah cute little bucket hat yeah maybe we'll do that for like spring break for our college girls and boys it's too late for that oh yeah spring breaks like next week oh oh wow it's winter in my mind it's absolutely <laughs> it's march winter. now happy march um before we do dive into this episode we do want to mention what's going on in the world yeah um the world is a scary fucking place um so our hearts go out to those of ukraine and, and really the people in Russia that have no control over, yeah, you know, what their leader is doing right now and are protesting and really getting themselves harmed by right. speaking their truth, which, I mean, it's been so heavy on my heart. I can't. Like, we've been losing sleep over it. I literally will stay up until three in the morning watching the news over there just so I can see what's going on. And I'm just I feel like we released an episode on the day that it all kind of went down. And I told Morgan, I was like, I literally feel bad posting something so normal, knowing what life is like for people just miles away from us, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's just so scary. Yeah. So our hearts and uh, thoughts and prayers are with you all. And um, I wish there was something more that we could do. I just feel so helpless. Mm-hmm. But honestly... We just wish you guys the best, and you're in our hearts and thoughts and prayers. Yeah, amen to that. So, sorry, we have to have a window open, if you heard that, because um, it's hot. It's a 90 billion degrees in my room right now, <laughs> or in our studio, in my house. And um, the for some reason, every semi-truck is coming down my road immediately. Yeah, along it, with construction going on at the neighboring. And a bird standing house. right outside the window screaming. So, yeah, I <laughs> uh, hope you guys can't hear that. Anyways, Morgan, I guess it's time to hit him with it. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. We got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Morgan so what do we have for them today so like we said in the intro it is a little bit of a different styled episode but the universe gave this to us okay it they did. did this to us for a reason they knew Taylor was gonna lose her voice they knew Taylor so was gonna it have is permanent vocal cord damage so I'm gonna jump right into it and Taylor I hope you can agree with me on this first statement that growing up almost everyone knew what the Bermuda Triangle was oh yeah for sure you heard stories of people in boats and planes going missing without a trace but you were never too worried about it because, well, it was in the middle of the ocean. And the chances of you being in that area were, like, slim to fucking none. Like, zero. Like, when are you going to be in the Bermuda Triangle? I'm not. <laughs> Nevertheless, it still sparked curiosity. Questions like, what is it? What causes the mis mysterious disappearances? That was a lot of S's right there. <laughs> the Mississippi appearances. <laughs> is it something geographically? Like, it's a constantly filled with storms that's overturning planes and boats. Or is it something more, something supernatural? And what if we were to tell you that there's an area here in the United States that mimics the Bermuda Triangle's mysteries, an area called the Bennington Triangle, Ooh, which brings us to our segment today, the Bennington Triangle. 
Enclosing this triangle are the areas of Bennington, Somerset, and Woodford, Vermont. At the center of the Bennington Triangle, the heart is what's known as the Glastonbury Mountain, which is part of the Green Mountain National Forest in Vermont. National Forest, red frickin' flag. Are you good over there, ma'am? I'm getting some honey so my throat will stop hurting. She's literally putting it on her finger and sucking on honey. It's you know, honey It sounded like a fart whenever I did it, so I'm sorry. It wasn't a fart. <laughs> anyway, National Forest, that's a huge red flag right there. Like, you're already like, okay, well, something's definitely going something's on there. Something's not good. Even if, especially if it's called a triangle. like no. A triangle in a national park? Yeah. It's like the Michigan Triangle so. with Stephen Kubaki. Exactly. The town of Glastonbury that consists, or sorry, that contains the Glastonbury Mountain is centered in Bennington County, with Sutherland to the north, Shaftesbury to the west, Woodford to the south, and Somerset to the east. I know that was a lot. Um, We're going to post a a map on our Instagram, so you can hop on that. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's right above our heads right now. Um, Most of Glastonbury is the Green Mountain National Forest. Way back when, when the first settlers found Glastonbury, they found life to be super difficult. Because of the difficult terrain, people tended to stray away from settling in that area. But by the year 1800, um, there were a total of eight families living in the Glastonbury area, giving them a population of 48 people. Oh, wow. Wow. Pop it's a in. huge town. It is totally popping. Bet the nightlife is great over there. <laughs> they got a great bar scene. <laughs> but newcomers began to arrive in small numbers, and the population grew to 76 in 1810. Ooh. And then it decreased to 53 people by the year 1840. But after the Civil War, the town started to experience a rapid growth. Because the state of Vermont began to recognize the Green Mountain National Forest as a hot spot for lumber. So people were then drawn to the area to work the then booming logging business. But unfortunately for them, the best lumber was located on top of the mountain. And the Glastonbury Mountain was a steep mother effer. Steep mother effer. So in order to easily obtain that lumber, they began building a railroad that went up the mountain, which was bringing in even more workers increasing the population and fun fact this was the steepest railroad ever built in the united states oh so you you can picture like that's a tall ass mountain yeah really um the town reached its highest population in history in the year 1880 with a total of 241 people oh nightlife night whack (laughs) can you imagine the clubs there (laughs) 241 we're like it's 1880 they didn't have they didn't have edm music no they're listening like fiddles and shit they were honestly probably having a really really grand old time they have like the pubs from like the hammersmith ghost and shit we got the town watchman standing outside but at the same point the mountain had been cleared of nearly all of the mature trees that could be harvested so all of these people are moving there for this work and these jobs and this income but when they got there in 1880 they were like well shit where are all the trees because they had already been cut down so this caused a quick decline in the population again in result to save the town from abandonment they acted on a promising effort to turn it into a mountain resort area and in 1898 they did just that but that following winter it was wiped out by a freshet So a freshet is a term used to describe um, when ice and snow melt, resulting in like a substantial severe flooding, 
which wiped out the resort and the railroad as a whole. Oh, no, not the railroad. I know, and the nightlife. Like, and then not the clubs. Jesus, no. <laughs> Anything but the clubs. Not the EDM clubs. No, so like, no, no, it wouldn't be EDM. It'd be like E.T. or some shit. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so anyways, um, I was on, I was watching on TikTok and it was talking about how, um, it was converting how many inches of snow is uh, is compared to inches of rain. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. It was really interesting. It oh, wasn't obviously interesting I'm, for me to I remember. Thank you for sharing that interesting fact that you don't remember. Just, I think you should Google it. Someone Google it. Just Google it. And it's Google crazy. It right it's crazy. Go look DMS. it up. Yeah. yeah, let us know. Yeah, but it was causing like like rapid flooding. Like think of like rivers where they're not supposed to be, wiping everything out. Um, on the most recent 2020 census, the population of Glastonbury had a total of nine people. I can't believe you just gave us. I'm sorry. I'm not over that. You just gave us a fact, but not a fact at all. <laughs> I tried my best. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, likewise, the neighboring town of Somerset is damn near a ghost town. Somerset sits high up in the Green Mountain National Forest and its landmass or sorry, not landmass, but its area as a whole is 7.7 percent water. So that's like, I mean, it's a small town to begin with, and having that much water is... That's a ton of water. Yeah, exactly. It's a very difficult terrain, making it unfavorable to sustain a good economy and thus a high population. It followed the same path as Glastonbury, booming in the mid-1800s with the logging and the railroad, with a record population of 321 people. So Somerset probably did have better nightlife than Glastonbury. Yeah. Um, but then it substantially decreased. At the 2000 census, there were five people living in the town of Somerset, containing two households and only one family residing in the town. Oh, can you imagine that? No, because like I would literally go absolutely insane. And at 2020 census, there were six people that lived in the town of Somerset. So right now, the state like hardly even declares it a town. Like it's more of like I just this couldn't imagine. I like I get people live off the grid and really enjoy it. Right? Yeah, I don't want to take away from that because that's really dope. Like, that's a be, really cool to be one with nature. Like that's super cool. But where right. are your where are your targets? Where, Where's your Walmart? Where what do you do if you need a smoothie bowl? Yeah, where do you get nectar? your acai bowls? <laughs> where do you <laughs> where do you get your acai bowls? No, like the, no, really though. Like where do you go to get food? And I don't mean like where do you get your vegetables, your meat, your dairy, because I'm sure there's probably people in your community that can provide that because if you're living off the land, you're probably doing some trade. Right. But like, where do you get your Cheez-Its? Where do you get your Coke? Right. Can you Amazon Prime? Where do you get your coffee? Can you order Sheen? Sheen. 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 Where do you get your glass straws? Where are your glass straws? Where are your happy smiley face slippers? No, I think it is super cool to. It is really cool. I'm jealous of that to be able to like go of like all the material things in the world. Material girl. I want you boo. But yeah, seriously though, like that would that's that's so freeing to be able to let go of all that. I just don't know that I would be able to since that was the way I was raised with that all at my fingertips. You know, exactly. Um, the towns of Bennington and Woodsford, they had a little bit more success than the other two with their population increase due to the better terrain that they had. They were located below the mountain range and both filled with rivers and lakes that were providing a good water source back then and were colonized in 1761. Um, Bennington played a huge part in the Revolutionary War and is known for its Battle of Bennington. Oh, wow. Super cool. Um, currently, there are about 15,000 people total that make up Old Bennington, Downtown Bennington, and North Bennington. And there are 355 people that make up Woodford, Vermont. Oh. 
But prior to all the settlements of all of these towns, the land belonged to the Western Abenaki of the Wabanaki Confederacy. I'm really hoping I'm doing those words justice. I have the notes in, like I have the pronunciations in my notes, but even then I'm still illiterate anyway just reach um, out to us and let us know if it's incorrect yeah um these people were indigenous to the dakina which extended across most of northern new england and into quebec and southern Can- canadian maritimes um, and according to native american lore this area that makes up the bennington triangle is cursed um, the natives of the area had long been aware of that eeriness it gives and the curse on the land and for the most part have avoided it and have urged others trying to colonize it to avoid it. Oh, my God. And they avoided it for one main legend. This legend is an Algonquin legend that spoke of a man eating stone that sat high up in the Glastonbury Mountain. The Native Americans knew of it and they warned people away. But no one alive has seen this dangerous killing anomaly. And I say no one alive. Alive. Okay. Alive. Because the man eating stone is exactly what it sounds like. Legend goes that anyone who was unlucky enough to step on it, the stone would open up and devour them. Oh. It was man eating. A man eating stone. Can you imagine Not a woman that? eating stone. Um, some other legends say that it would devour any like type of like um colonist or settler that was trying to colonize the land it's a dope ass rock then yeah here for it yeah exactly it was like this is my land get the fuck out of here i am the man eating stone did you not hear about me (laughs) (laughs) uh sorry 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 where am i um the native americans also believe that the mountaintop was where the four winds met so this is actually really freaking cool Um, when natives pray or do anything sacred, they see the world as having four directions, the directions that we know, west, north, east, and south. And from these four directions come the four winds. So, um, a brief little information spill. Um, wind from the west signifies the end of life. Wind from the north signifies cleansings. Wind from the east signify wisdom in helping people live good lives. And winds from the south signify warmth, and growth Aww. and that's so cool that is so nice and when the four winds come together it creates an extremely spiritual place and on top of glastonbury mountain native americans believed that this took place this is where the four winds met so because of this they strictly only used this area as a burial ground for their people and besides that they stayed away from it and this wariness of the area continues on to this day There is such bad vibes, bad juju, whatever you want to call it, that people can't even get themselves to walk into the forest that surrounds the mountain. And those that do say the silence is deafening. Oh, my God. They say there are no birds singing. There's no squirrels that are, like, siphling through the trees. There's nothing. In fact, it is so quiet that you hear nothing but your own heartbeat and breath. Literally no. Yeah, literally, I think not. Literally no. Um, there's no signs of animals being in the area, as if maybe they knew better than to be in the area. Like they knew about the man freaking eating stone. Yeah. Um, there was something there yeah. keeping everybody out, including the animals. And maybe what was scaring everyone off is something known as the Bennington Monster. Dun, dun, dun. The first sighting of the Bennington Monster occurred in the early 1800s. When a horse and carriage full of passengers was forced to stop on a then washed out muddy road. 
The driver stopped because he noticed something unusual. There on the muddy road was huge footprints. Human footprints, but way too big to be a human's foot. Once stopped and things got quiet, because again, it's like deafening there. Um, the stagecoach was attacked, stagecoach, carriage, whatever. The stagecoach was attacked by a large creature knocking the vehicle over on its side. So we need to talk about this because yeah. you know how heavy that shit has to be. That that bitch like, was big. It was big. And you have to think there's probably 15 people, 20 people yeah, on it, piled in. Tons of wood. Tons of belongings. Literally horses are attached. And this creature was able to knock this carriage onto its freaking side oh my god like that's a strong that's insane strong dude someone's gonna be like actually a carriage only weighs 25 pounds i know we're gonna get we're gonna get some hate about catch us on shots fired yeah um (laughs) (laughs) so the passengers then scared shitless were on their side literally laying on their side knocked over right (laughs) they see something peek in and what they see is a glowing pair of eyes no right before they heard a loud roar and watched as this monster bolted into the forest. No. This creature has been spotted numerous times over the last two centuries, each account describing the creature as a large, hairy, black being standing over six feet tall. Sound familiar? Because the Bennington monster is fucking Bigfoot. It is fucking Bigfoot. With the numerous big... I mean, the... the, Oh, God, I can't even speak. With the numerous Bigfoot sightings, man-eating rock, eeriness, abandoned towns, the Bennington Triangle creates a super unwelcoming feeling to the area. A stay-out feeling. Like the movie stay-out, really. Yeah. Um, and some listen, but others do not. And what gives the Bennington Triangle its names are the unsolved murders and numerous mysteries that have occurred in this area the last century. Because some people who enter the forest-covered mountain never come out of it alive. So this is where I'm going to take you down a path and discuss all of the murders and mysterious disappearances in this area. I'm going to start off on April 4th, 1892. Harry McDowell, a mill worker in Fayville, Glastonbury, a.k.a. the heart of the Bennington Triangle, snapped. Out of nowhere, during a regular workday in the mill... McDowell turned to his co-worker, John Crowley, and began bludgeoning him to death with a rock and a piece of wood. Oh my god. Like, holy shit. So once McDowell realized that John was officially dead, he ran out of the mill and fled. He was later captured by police in Norwalk, Connecticut. What? How'd he get there? I literally couldn't tell you. Probably the train portals in the National Forest. (laughs) Yes. So, um... He, when they get to him, he immediately confesses, confesses, and he says to police, it was the voices that told me to do it. Wait, wait, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but how cool is that, that they found him all the way in another state? Like, I literally don't know how that happened. He, he had to have turned himself in. There's no yeah. way that they found him. Right. There's, like... There's no, like, phones. No, there's no, like, pictures that you could... There's no fax machines. Oh, my God, that's crazy. You know? So, yeah, he had to have turned himself in, so... um. When he gets there, he's like, oh, it was the voices, and I had to do it to protect myself because the voices were forcing me to. And they were like, okay. So they sent him to the Waterbury State Hospital, and after months of being there, he somehow escaped 
onto a railroad delivery cart in, inside of like a ton of coal. Oh my God. And was never to be seen again. But locals believe he actually came back to the heart of the triangle and lived out the rest of his life in the woods. Oh, he's big. He's the he's Bennington Bigfoot. monster. I mean, six foot's kind of average for a person. What's his name? Henry what? Henry, Henry McDowell. Henry McDowell. Yep. A.K.A. The Harry Benning- McDude. Henry the Bennington monster. Yeah, that's who he is. For <laughs> yeah, sure. he is. So on October 1st, 1897, on the opening day of Vermont's first statewide deer season, dun, 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 big day for the boys. Yeah. Um, 40-year-old John Harbour, yeah, John Harbour of Woodford and his two best friends went out to Bickford Hollow searching for bucks. And the group at some point got separated going, you know, chasing their own leads and this would typically happen happen you know when you're hunting i don't know off of first hand but that's just what i read and um they <laughs> said that sounds right yeah and they're like when that happens we're like huge hunters so yeah we, know, we, for sure. we we love guns and camo we, <laughs> we love deer bloody deer deer meat good. camo tree stands and guns we love it all i like taking pictures of my ducks afterwards and you know them. what's so funny Sorry, I really am sidetracking here is that whenever I was my dad, for those that don't know, my dad, his name is Bucky and that's not his real name, but that's what he's been called his whole entire life. He is a huge hunter, outdoorsman, fisherman. Um, He fishes tournaments, whatever sidetrack. He's also a taxidermist. So he loves, um, loves hunting. Okay. Anyway, when I was younger, we live in like not a crazy farm area, like, but more like it's a neighborhood, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and on deer season, I would get off the school bus, okay? Oh, shit. I would get off the school bus and everyone would be looking out their window because strung up on my basketball hoop, like my basketball You're lying to me. is a gutted deer, okay? A gutted deer. Every deer season, everyone knew it was coming. Everyone would be out the window. And I was just so Bucky. embarrassed. It was just dripping, yeah. <laughs> dripping blood in like our neighborhood. Like it was like, I'm telling you, like I have neighbors. Okay. Like I know I, it sounds like I don't, but like I do. And like, just imagine me in like fifth grade getting off the school bus. So like I got a deer, like dripping blood. I would literally, I would sob. Of deer season. Like that's, that was my life. So anyway. I would like be shoving over the, the, <laughs> the thing so no one would see it. I'd be like before school, dad, please don't put the deer on the Dad, thing. please don't gut the deer on the best. Our basketball hoop like first off this is where we play like, go behind the house under the deck something. there's trees back there too <laughs> we have a whole freaking forest you have a forest back there oh my god like d- dad i'll put a pole back here we can get a second no, basketball it's hoop. right like in spot like he like he was proud of it he was showing it all it's cute but like oh my it's god. not cute <laughs> so bad. all right anyway go ahead so anyways they basically were saying like whenever we would just get separated we would meet up at camp at the end of the day like you know yeah. right before the sunset and so this is what they did well on the way back the two friends found each other but they couldn't find should john <laughs> did i just have a stroke yes yeah. they couldn't find john so they just started walking back when they hear a gunfire and then immediately after, they hear their buddy John scream that he had been shot. What? So immediately, they start running towards the sound of his voice. But they're like, they're searching for him. They're screaming. He's not screaming back. They don't hear him anymore. And there's no sign of him. Right. And they're hunters, which means they're like trackers. They would know. They, they would know like. Where to go with where the gunshot was coming from. Right. Like be able to identify, identify, especially with how silent we know that these are Mm -hmm. 
these uh, woods are from what you described to us. Like, it's not like it's a loud forest with construction work going on beside like my house right now. But yeah. like, you know what I mean? So they couldn't find him. No, so they couldn't find him anywhere. They're searching and they search until nightfall. So they finally, when the sun goes down, they make their way back to town and they're calling for help. The next morning, search parties go out and they find John's body leaning up against a cedar tree where he had bled out. Oh my God. His rifle was fully loaded and unused, laying directly beside him. And it looked as if he had been drugged to this area and propped up against the tree. Police were unable to even consider suspects as there were no witnesses and zero evidence to be found. Therefore, the case went cold quickly. And you know what's even crazier is that he's a hunter. Yeah. He would have fought back. He would have shot. Yeah. They said that he just had one shot. So he was ambushed by something or someone. And like, it's basically what I was reading is some people in the town said that his friend shot him, but the friends were like there to witness for each other. And like, no, we didn't. And everybody's like, why would they do it? Like, they were all really good friends, good people. Right. Like, their families but were the close. Whole, like, dragging and set, leading them up against a tree with his gun. Like, that does show some some sign of like remorse. Yeah. Or, like, it wasn't or, like, like, it's like when people cover people's faces after they murder them. Yeah. Like, it's like you want to make them comfortable. Right. Like, some type of humanity is in yeah. there. So then I wondered. In my own opinion, if like there was a lot of people out hunting that day and he was mistaken, yeah, or got caught caught in like a line of fire or someone's aim on accident, yeah, because the force was dense, very dense, right? So, yeah, that's so scary hunting in public land that always freaks me out. Yeah, that is scary. I would not be able to do it, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move into some of the most infamous disappearances in this area. In this area. In this area. Because I can't <laughs> talk right. I'm having to I'm having to talk you, in my lowest octave. You sound like a um like just like proper, like in this area. I'm like uh whatever. I don't even know anymore. I just I wish I could talk. Um okay. So in the southwestern woods of Gladstonebury on November twenty nope twelfth, nineteen forty five, seventy four year old Mitty Rivers was a local hunting guide. Mitty knew these woods like the feeling of his own bed. It was home. An experienced outdoorsman, hunter, and survivalist, Mitty was leading a group of four hunters through dense woods and the mountainous terrain, specifically in an area called Hell Hollow. Oh, hell to the no. Immediately, no. Hell Hollow in a national park. Yeah, that's an immediate no from me, dog. Yeah, you would not be catching me there. No, like... Even if it had the best deer of the season. Well, first off, if there's a place in a national park called Devil Hell Satan, I'm not going there. Oh, no, <laughs> Especially in a place like this. And who names it that? Really, though? Like, wh- why did it get that name? Hell Hollow. Hell to the no hollow. Hell um, to the no, no, hollow. Hell, no. hell to the no. So at the end of the day before nightfall, Mitty began leading his group back to the camp. He was leading this group down the Long Trail. And in this specific area, the Long Trail runs directly along Vermont Highway Route 9. The Long Trail is one of the most famous hiking trails in Vermont, stretching the entire length of the state, similar to the Appalachian Trail. They are all sharing conversation, just discussing their day, as you would, like if you're walking, you know, on a hike or something. And this is what they had been doing between like moving areas and stuff the entire time. And Mitty just slowly began falling silent. Moments later, he picks up his pace, almost trying to distance himself from the group. 
The four hunters were confused, trying to keep up, but they just later fall, be- fall behind until they realize that Mitty is slowly slipping from their view. Assuming that he just, like, needed to shit immediately and get right. back to camp, or, like, maybe he was, like, trying not to crop dust them. They're like, all right, we'll just meet him back <laughs> to the camp to yeah. do your thing, man. I also love his name, Mitty. Mitty. If you ever is catch not- me naming my kids Mitty, mind your business. Mitty Rivers, isn't that, like, a jazz singer? I don't know, but... I took maybe- history of jazz... After history of rock. Yeah, I yeah. was not in that class. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know how history of rock went. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so Mitty sl- slips from their view. They're like, okay, we're just going to get back to the camp and wait on him. So they get there, and there's no sign of him. They waited, figuring maybe he, like, took a long trail or, like, went to the bathroom or something, but he never returns. So they call the police. Knowing how well Mitty knew this area, no one was really pressed about this because they were like, First off, he is an outdoorsman. He grew up in this area. He knows it like the back of his hand, and he's a survivalist. So he's probably right. just gonna show up at the pub or something right. in like he an knows, hour. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, or he's gonna like show up at his house and be like, "Hey, uh, what's going on?" So they didn't really think much of it. But he'd never returned the next day. So extensive searches were conducted by locals and actually military personnel in the surrounding areas, which is like a red flag to me. The second that the military feels the need to get involved. Right. It's like the case in Gatlinburg. With the yeah. Boy. Yeah. Like when whenever military or like higher like government stuff comes in besides like state police, I'm like, mm, something's not right. Right. We know something. Yeah. So they started doing these extensive searching around this area. And the only thing they discover is a single rifle cartridge in a stream close by the area that he went missing. Mitty Rivers has never been found and neither have his remains or any belongings of his. Nothing. So a rifle cartridge, that means he shot, right? No, I think that means, from my understanding, because I was asking Logan, does it mean that he shot at something? Because they said it looked like it had fallen out of his pocket because they had actually been in that area, like, leaning over. So maybe, maybe he did shoot it and he picked it up or... It was unshot. Oh, we have no idea. We don't. We don't know anything about guns. Um, so. Oh my gosh, poor Mitty. Yeah, Mitty. Well, never I'll returned. name my kid after you, Mitty. So you'll never be forgotten. Mitty River mm, Harris. Harris. Mitty River. I was gonna Harris. say Mount. Mitty Ma- Mount. Keep your last name and do that. Yeah, sorry, Aaron. Sorry, Aaron. You're out. <laughs> you're, you're gone. Gone so. <laughs> So a year later, on December first, nineteen forty-six, this one is really, this one's crazy. Eighteen-year-old um, college sophomore from Bennington College, Paula Jean Weldon, decided to go on a hike after getting off work at the dining hall at her college. It was about fifty degrees and a sunny day in December, which is rare. Right, especially in Vermont. Yeah, it's right. Crap there. Yeah. So she was just trying to find like happiness and warmth wherever she could, just like anybody at the end of your first fall semester. You right, know and you're I mean? working at a dining hall. Those double college stew. kids are rude as shit. Yeah, and like half of them, like half of her friends had already gone home for winter break. The other half are stressed out about finals yeah. and stuff. So you know, like that's just a weird time, really, though, for anybody that is in college. And in college, when you went on a hike or something, that was always the most like freeing and like relaxing. Yeah, moment. especially if you do the solo, solo anything. 
anything eating by yourself like right that is just so freeing so that's what she was trying to do she was just trying to like you know be centered with herself excuse my drink sorry yeah. good god all the guys in that so she had worked a double that day actually and most of her friends as i said had gone home but her roommate was still there so she went back to her dorm room and she changed into a red parka blue jeans and white tennis shoes and told her roommate what her plans were invited her but she had something going on so she couldn't go and then Paula left and headed towards the long trail at around 2.30 p.m. So students reported seeing her leave the dorm and walk towards the entrance of the college at 2.45 p.m. In fact, a classmate saw her at that time named Louis Knapp and actually offered her a ride to the long trail to the entrance of it, which she accepted. So at around 4 p.m., she was on the trail when Ernest Whitman and his group of three friends who, who were camping in the area um we're talking to her because she had asked for directions to a bridge and about a half hour after that some other students saw her further up the trail and recognized her because they had classes together but as the sun started to set paula's roommate knew something was wrong because she figured like you know she'd be back before dark everybody right. comes back from the long trail before dark but as the sun sat and the moon became the only source of light in the sky with temperatures dramatically dropping to now nine degrees oh my gosh. and three inches of freshly fallen snow, her roommate was very worried but hoping for the best, thinking like maybe she just went to go spend the night with a friend or like something. Yeah. But when she didn't show up for work the next morning on December 2nd, her parents were contacted. Groups of students began searching for her on the long trail. Going from bridges to caves to side trails, everything. Yeah, literally. And they're just like calling her name and looking for the red parka. And by December 3rd, larger search parties were put into place with newspapers printing her face on the front page with a description of her clothing, which is when we developed the timeline that I just gave you. At this point, Paula's father is calling the shots and calling any and everyone that he knew for help. He was able to have a 120 men search party from the state guard, wow. NYPD, Massachusetts State Police, and two airplanes being flown overhead by locals. Holy shit. And even the FBI's involvement. Holy crap. Whoever Who is that? I don't know. I like want to figure the out. Shit. Yeah, he's clearly got to be very wealthy. Of- but here's the FBI again, the government getting involved. Mm-hmm. Like other states like That's crazy. Well, the yeah. reason, well, I'll get to that why here in a minute. So this search party actually had over a thousand volunteers looking for Paula. However, by December 15th, they had to end the entire search um, like altogether foot in air because there was just no sign of her. Oh, my gosh. There was even a five thousand dollar reward place for any information by the FBI. And on May, I'm sorry, in May of 1947, when the snow had finally melted, Paula's father organized yet another two-day search with these same people involved. But even still, there was no sign of Paula. Paula's father was enraged at the, at the lack of developed methods to search this, um, this area by the state of Vermont. And seven months after her disappearance, after fighting and pushing, the Vermont State Police Force was formed by the pushing of Paula's case by her father. 18-year-old Paula has never been found to this day, and neither has any of her belongings. Oh, my gosh. Exactly three years after Paula's disappearance, on December 1st, 1949, 
68-year-old veteran James E. Tedford was traveling from St. Albans, Vermont, where he was visiting family, back to his home at the Bennington's Soldier Home on a bus. The bus driver and other passengers saw James in his seat the entire ride from St. Albans to Bennington. He never even stood up to stretch or got off at any of the stops. Specifically, on the last stop before Bennington, he and the driver had a conversation as the doors were shutting, meaning that he was on the train making his way with no way out to Bennington. But as the bus entered the area of the Bennington Triangle, which was on Route 7, James was no longer in his seat. What? Assuming that he had moved seats to speak with another passenger, the driver didn't think much of it. Until when the driver went to go check James's seat after dropping off at Bennington, there sat his ticket and all of his belongings with no sign of the 68-year-old James, and he had never been seen since. What? <laughs> Just disappeared on a moving And the bus, bus didn't stop? No. Not once. What? None of the windows were open, none of the doors, because it would have alerted the driver. <clears throat> portal. Nothing. Yeah, portal. Exactly. His family, the bus passengers, the drivers, and the police were stunned. Next, on October... Yeah, how do you even make a case out of that? You literally can't do anything. He was on like, a moving bus. how do you investigate bus. that? Yeah. He was on a moving bus. That's insane. So, on October 12th, 1950... Eight-year-old Paul Jepson and his mother loaded into their family pickup truck to go tend to the pigs on the family's farm. While his mother was feeding the pigs, Paul decided to stay in the truck and play with his toys in the backseat, as he did often. About an hour later, when his mother returned to the truck to head home, Paul was nowhere to be found. She began searching and screaming for her son. He was wearing his favorite red bright jacket that day. Not another red jacket. And his name's Paul. And it was Paul who was wearing a red parka. Nah. Yeah. Oh my. So God. he's wearing this like bright red jacket. She's like screaming for him, and assuming that that red jacket would make him easier to spot. But she had no luck. In a panic, she called police, and a search party was immediately formed for the eight-year-old Paul. Bloodhounds were brought out to track the boy's scent, and they were able to pick it up, and from the truck, they followed it to the local highway, stopping at a large rock. People speculated that he possibly was wondering when he was, you know, found this giant rock, decided to sit on it. Not and the like, man-eating rock. That's what I was thinking. Play with his toys, and then since it was on route, the Route 7, maybe someone came and picked him up and stole him. But locals believe otherwise. Apparently, in the days leading up to Paul's disappearance, his parents said that he would only talk about one thing, and that was the mountains and how they needed him. <gasps> and lastly, where the dogs tracked his scent was the same location that Paula uh, Weldon was last seen. 16 days later, on October 28, 1950, an experienced outdoors woman and survivalist was very familiar with this area and decided to take her husband and her cousin out on a walk. Her name was Frida Langer, and she was 53 years old. Her cousin was Herbert Elsner, and they decided to go on a midday hike on the long trail near the Somerset, is that what it's called, Somerset? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gladstonbury Line. Her husband, however, had been really tired from hiking the entire day, and he, in fact, had, like, a bum knee. So he was like, I'm just going to sit this one out and stay at the camp. 
So Herbert and Frida were about a half mile in on their hike. And um, Frida was, they were like jumping over the stream. There's like, like she talked about so much water in this area that there was this big stream that you had to like hop over and she accidentally slept into it. So it was freezing, obviously. And so now she's freezing because it's October. So she tells Herbert like, hey, I'm not injured, but I'm literally going to freeze to death. So I'm going to walk back to, it was like a half mile. I'm going to walk back to the camp. You just wait here and I'll be right back. I'm going to change into some clothes. Herbert's like, yeah, that's fine. So he like posts up on a rock and like half an hour goes by and he's like, you know what? I need to go check on her. Maybe she fell or something. So he's walking by and he's like, you know, this is just not like my cousin. She's very proactive. Like even if maybe she just decided she didn't want to do the hike, she would have come back and told him right? or walked back with her husband. So Herbert walks back and he gets to the camp and he's walking the same path that his, um, that his cousin had just taken moments earlier, but Frida was not there. And her husband, who had been there the entire time, said that she had never returned. What? Immediately, they called the police, knowing that the grim reputation of this area and the search for Frida began just an hour after she had left Herbert. 400 people showed up, along with the Connecticut Coast Guard, the U.S. Army in Massachusetts, aircrafts from local people again, and the Vermont Air- Aeronautics Commission showed up. Holy shit. They combed through the entire area, through the tough terrains, the reservoirs, the ste- the streams, the trees, everything that they could, but there was no sign of Frida. Knowing that she was a survivalist and extremely knowledgeable of this area, they prayed and prayed that she would just show up, but she never did. Five different search efforts were conducted over two weeks and beyond with smaller search parties and more detailed searches followed. Yet, they were never able to find Vrita. Seven months later, on May 12th, 1951, Herbert and the other family members were searching again for Vrita. Now that the spring was here and the forest floor was now cleared, Herbert had been assigned to search the Somerset Reservoir. Once again, even though it had been searched millions of times, this area was about three and a half miles away from the camp where they had originally been staying that seven months earlier. As he walked through the area, he noticed a pop of color, red, which led him to discover Frida's remains. She was just feet away from the water, badly decomposed. Due to the level of decomposition, her cause of death could not be determined. And she was the last known person to disappear in this area and the only one ever found. These murders and disappearances are so eerie and the attackers and victims are never found. There has to be more to this area than we know, which is why the legends and theories are so prominent, filling the gaps of all the thoughts that we have. So Morgan. Oh my gosh. Guys, what? I'm so sorry for my voice. I I was really I trying just hard for this. What the yeah. fuck? What the fuck is going on in What's this area? What's up with red? What is up with red? Really though, and and I know I I mentioned this um a little through and through, but on some of the cases they didn't have exact timelines, but on others there were, yeah. and on the majority of them, according to a lot of sites and sources that I was reading, the majority of the disappearances and murders happened between. 3 and 4 p.m. Not a.m. Not a.m. P.m. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, let's talk about the theories. What the fuck is going on in the Bennington Triangle? So, of course, I have a couple different theories for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The first one I have is that the Bennington Triangle is just a giant energy vortex. Like, again, it's a freaking national park. And we know that shit's got crazy energy. And... Let's not forget the fact that even the Native Americans that have inhabited this land for for thousands and thousands of years, years and years knew this area created a huge energy. It's where the four winds met. So is it possible that this area in Bennington, Vermont or the Bennington Triangle has such an intense energy and magnetisms in the ground that it creates some type of vortex? I mean, yeah. And a vortex is going to create portals portals to different dimensions and i don't know if you guys remember me saying this back well patreons will but back in the um national park conspiracy part two that was released on patreon um, where i talked about portals i mentioned a lot how i think personally that portals are really advanced and Mm -hmm. they open up they know what they're opening up for and they know when they're opening up as if someone is like able to you know uh tailor them to each of the areas right and that would explain the disappearances at three to four yeah the color red the like red. they're attracted the red is crazy but then if we're gonna talk about the portals with red then we can also talk about what's targeting the red yeah because we don't know what Mitty was wearing we don't know what john was wearing and what also is really interesting to me is that Mitty and um the little boy, what was his name? Paul. Paul. Um, they both like were uh, attracted themselves, like mm-hmm. almost like a possession. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like they how- were so enamored by the mountains, which is another thing. It's like Paula, you know, that's what she chose to do to free her. Like it's like it was calling her. And I didn't mention this because first off, I don't like when people say, I don't like when true crime podcasters like immediately are like, oh, they were depressed. Like I'm not. Yeah. If you disappear, like, I'm not immediately blaming that on, like, your mental state, you know? So I do want to say that her roommate did mention that they had both been struggling with some sort of depression and anxiety at the time. But really, though, who was not as a college student at that point in time? You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's why I didn't really want to throw it in the story, because her parents were like, no, like, you're trying to spin that. To, yeah, you know, like but, something else happened to yeah, our daughter. If, especially because especially we never found her. Yeah. Yeah. You would have found her. Exactly. Yeah. And what's really interesting to me is that um, Paula, when she went out, she picked a beautiful day, 50 and yes, sunny. beautiful. But the temperature in the mountains dropped to nine with three inches of snow. snow. First Overnight. Off, like in, in hours. In hours. Because she went in, in the afternoon. Yes. So that's, that's crazy. Like someone can like, I don't know. Anyway, my second theory is a different dimension. So some theorize that the Glastonbury Mountain exists in an alternate dimension. Ooh. And I think this really goes well with the um, story of the bus. Yeah. What was his name again? Uh, what was his name? Why am I? James. James. Sorry, I was about to say James John. on the bus. Like yeah. how he just like switched. He, it was like, it was, they said it was literally when they crossed over the border of the triangle. Like he, he, his body, like maybe his vibration was right there with it. And Mm -hmm. it met at the exact same time as that, 
dimension you know intersects with ours and yep. he just crossed right over he just crossed and right disappeared over. but you know what's crazy is that if he was did switch to an alternate dimension he'd still be on that bus not thinking a damn thing about no. this reality no you know so it's i i have here in my notes um fl- like it, this theory flows with the vortex and the portal theory yeah. Um, people who disappear are accidentally jumping to a different dimension. They're going to continue to live their life not knowing that what they're that they're missing in their right. actual reality, which I think is a good case with James. Yeah, for that sure, is. definitely because he just turned into thin air. Oh my god! Like, how does that happen? That just does. It doesn't happen. It's mind blowing. Like, I wish that bus had cameras. I know. You know, like I wish. And it it's was- it's not like it was just him and the bus driver. And the bus driver said this. There was like multiple other witnesses that saw him yeah. there. Oh, I wonder bad. what he was wearing. I don't know. People said that everybody that went missing was wearing red. That's crazy. That's crazy. But Which, I couldn't confirm that. I only so knew for maybe sure Paul you know how like bulls are attracted to the color red. Yes. So what if? Bigfoot, which is my next theory, is attracted to the color red. That's what I'm thinking. And I think it's interesting that um, the very, very first case with the hunters, mm-hmm. um, how he was propped up, looked like he had been drugged. Yes. And propped up against a tree. <laughs> Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Are you kidding me? That's the Bennington monster right there. Right. And just like bulls, maybe Bigfoot is attracted to the color red. Right. And there's so many sightings in this area of Bigfoot. It's not even funny. Like, I think we, well, we said this on our, when we tried to record it last you know night. What? I think I messed up. I think I totally messed up. Um, One of these cases with the men, I think I'm assuming it has to be John um, who was propped up against the tree. He didn't die from a gunshot wound. His autopsy came back saying that he had been squeezed to death. (gasps) I chills. Yeah. Yeah, I totally messed that up because when you just said that, I was like, no, 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 that's right. Yeah, his autopsy came back saying that he his lungs had been crushed. Okay, what can crush a person's lungs like that? Well, I'm telling you, a bear wouldn't because they're going to eat you. Right, they're going to attack you. Yeah, You're I'm so sorry I messed that up. It was definitely in my notes. I must have just skipped right over skipped it. Skipped right over it because he. I think he was shot, but it, it was like in a place that wouldn't have killed him. Oh my god! Yeah, he was just squeezed to death by Bigfoot. By the by Bigfoot monster. Yeah, like there's, I, we said this when we recorded um, last night and then we redid it again today. But um, when we were talking about a little bit about Bigfoot, a lot of the TV shows that you see on Bigfoot, yeah. they're, they're based right here out of Vermont. And actually another crazy fact is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when I talked about Bigfoot in the um, National Park Conspiracy, I talked about, I told a story about a, what was that? What the fuck was that? Well, that was fucking weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, We're not sure what that was. Um, But anyway, so in that episode, I talked about a man who was adamant about getting the FBI to investigate Mm -hmm. the theory of Bigfoot. And in this, he sent a piece of hair, a piece of black hair that he didn't recognize as like a black bear or anything like that. He sent it to the FBI and they ran an analysis on it. And they said that it was just a deer hair. I don't know any deer hair that has black hair, but whatever. Um, this hair was actually from Glastonbury Mountain in Vermont. Of course it was. So he and he had actually captured, I think with that story, he had captured a video on his trail cam. I think oh, that's yes. That went, and that was in that mountain. So that's really crazy. So the FBI has um, files on Bigfoot here in this location. That is so crazy. Which is, that's why I know I recognize the area. Because when I, whenever I was reading about all this shit, I was like, 
I know this. We talked about that at yeah. some point. Yeah. So that's really freaking crazy. Um, my fourth theory I have is the man eating rock. What if yeah. that legend is totally real and people are just like unlucky enough and it just swallows them whole. But you know, that's just like a fun legend. Yeah. But like really though, think about it though. If Paula is out walking by herself, now Midia doesn't make sense because, but if it draws them like a siren, that's what I mean. Like, but okay, for Midia, it doesn't make sense because he was like, you know, not in a like leisurely way right. going out. But um, Paula, maybe she went and sat on a rock, you know, just and to so chill. John, or sorry, Paul. Paul and um, James was on a bus, so that's not gonna happen. Yeah, it doesn't work with him. But, but like, but you I know? think that the area just creates. There's so much going on that I think every theory could possibly yeah. be true. You know, like maybe there is a man eating rock, but also there's portals and different dimensions right. and bigfoot and like it's just such a high spiritual area that like so much going on energetically but that's that's crazy about um midi because he was in th- this like trance you yeah. know what i mean like he just started walking away without saying anything and he's stop talking he's a, survi- he's a guide he's right a guide. he's a hunting guide like you're not gonna just walk away from your group right and he's like trying to get away from them like it was weird yeah very weird um my fifth conspiracy i have is a possibility of a cult and i'm not talking about like your basic cult mm-hmm. like it would be more of like a um demonic yeah. cult and maybe they're attracted to the color red and i think when i think of this cult i think of combining a cult with the idea of feral people yeah like it's not like you know the a publicized cult that they're on the radio is like swarming you in like i'm thinking it's more of like a feral people this just sounds a lot like me like to this sounds a lot to me like the lost people of the Appalachian Mountains, the right. feral people there. Right. Because that is real. And cults thrive in abandoned places. And yeah. in this location, you have two abandoned towns with six people. Yes. You know what I mean? So like they could so easily survive out there and yeah. live a life and never be found. Yeah. Especially if like people. And it's so dense. Yeah, it's dense. It's dead silent. You can't see anybody. You have great hiding. There's tons of caves. Right. Tons of caves. You have Hell's Hollow. Yeah. <laughs> where they are yeah probably anyway so i think the mountains are a perfect place for a cult um if you're listening to this and you're trying to create a cult please don't go there and say that creeps and crimes recommended it. we have a place for you <laughs> yeah anyway it'll be 1450 um, a month my personal favorite is of course extra freaking terrestrial yeah 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 so the state of vermont is such a we didn't mention this when i talked about my whole spiel at the beginning but i wanted to say it to the end because it's important for the theories part the state of Vermont is a huge hub for UFO spotting. Mm-hmm. And they're actually one of the most states with the highest UFO accounts and yeah. reports. And um, weren't they like the full and the first full investigation? They, they were. They were the very first investigation or the first reporting of a UFO yeah. sighting and like an, an abduction. And they right? and what's that um, group that uh, investigates UFOs? It's like Murpho or. Oh, yeah. Weren't um, they founded over there, or is they found found in the West? No, they they are. I I know what you're talking what about, but I can't that? think of the name. I literally know. We we've UFO, talked about it before. Mo- uh, Whatever, we'll get back to it later. Whatever, but um, so they're really popular in UFO reportings and sightings, and especially in the Bennington Triangle area Mm -hmm. it is really really common there to see strange lights in the sky like you would at mount shasta yeah um actually in 1984 tons when i say tons like i'm talking about numerous accounts like probably 20 30 people reported seeing these silo shaped lights so like (gasps) like spherical you know shaped lights 
that were coming down from the sky, but going alongside up Glastonbury Mountain. Jesus. So like, what if the inside of that mountain is just this giant freaking... It's like the city of Ember or like the uh, Lemurians. Yeah. <gasps> Interesting. So... That makes sense. Oh, it, ex- it makes sense for so much shit. Well, it makes sense if the Lemurians spread out underground to come up to another mountain. Right. Like it does say, better. like, or another type of civilization that yeah. did that to hide from the Great Flood. They yeah. went and did exactly what the Lemurians did, but on the east side of the United States. Yeah. So that's freaking crazy. I don't know. Taylor. That is crazy. What, what do you think? Well, I think it makes sense a lot for the bus. Yeah. Actually, because it does, it does kind of tie in a lot of these together. The red, the red, the time, the time. Exactly. And, but what is weird is that most abductions will report in like the, like not dawn. What's the thing? Dusk. Yeah. Evening time when it is darker out. Well, these are, these are in the winter. That's true. So it is darker out early. It is. does get darker. Especially if you're out there with like, no lights really and they're far east so when it's getting dark here at five for us it's kind of earlier for them yeah, even though we're in the is. same time zone yeah oh that's so crazy yeah um my last theory that i have and i know you're gonna try to debunk me on this but let me rant my spiel first okay go ahead um is a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> um so this is what i think I think that for the disappearances to be going on as long as they have, Mm -hmm. it is probably some type of like generational family serial killer Mm. that has continued its hunt in this area because they're getting away with it. They know all the ins and outs. They know the caves. They know the hollows. Um, So they're able to, you know. Well, it'd be like if it was feral people. Right. Exactly. It's like it's like the feral people and the serial killer kind of are intertwined and i'm not saying that these families are guilty but it's the same two two to three families that are staying in this area what is keeping you there? there's nothing there but yeah what is keeping these families there like we said there's no target there's no starbucks nope. there's nothing there that and not that you have to have that to survive but you, like but where are you working really though? how are you creating an income if there's literally not even a railroad at this point to get up there and you can only drive up like a quarter of the mountain, you have to walk How the rest of the way. How do you make payments? How do you pay bills? Do you even have bills? Is there yeah. electricity there? Right. Well, I'd assume usually when you're off grid, you're solared. But yeah. back then in the, you know, the 80s, you're not solared. So no. how are you Existing. getting to and from work, paying for electricity or you're not? You have candles and fireplaces and whatnot. I don't know. I think a serial killer is a good chance or I think it, this cult that I was referring to earlier could be just like the a giant family of generational serial killers. I agree. Go with, ahead and debunk me. I, I agree know, with I the generational serial like like the community of just like maybe carnivores or something that live up there. Like I agree with that. Like that one is a very like valid argument that we could have not so much for james on the bus right um or for like midi and like hearing a calling but if they were like sirens if this uh group of people like they're not really human well there's like a lot of water in the area so it technically could be sirens right oh or my water God. babies or something water babies <gasps> oh shit i just got chills on I, my heart is hurting Did we just solve it I think so. My body just confirmed it. And then they just dump the bodies of the man-eating rock. Oh, so fuck. they're never found. Oh, fuck. 
because it is. It's like they're being called there. But for like a traditional serial killer that I would cover on here, it's been pretty much debunked, not by me, but by the FBI, um, basically saying that the um, consistency, the lack of consistencies and the gender and age and look of the victims is all over the place. And like in the way that they go disappearing, like they disappear, it's like they're being called. Yeah. It's not like they're being, you know, like maybe Paul, Paul, um, not Paula, but Paul, maybe he wandered and got picked up by like a kidnapper. Mm-hmm. Paula, possibly, but there were so many people out there. Like, I just don't find that convincing yeah. to me. And then um, John, John, the guy that was murdered with the gun lame time that was squeezed to death. Yeah. That one is weird. That is so weird. That dude. one's weird. But what if they're like a, a serial killer family that's just like on the hunt and like once you mm. get to a certain age, you go on a hunt. And that's why it's the same for those two cases the same day. Yeah. And they like it's like a tradition. Like and every, what it is, when you get to like, the certain age, you to be. It's only in the winter, yeah. cold months. It's not ever. I mean, I, none of those disappearances were in a regular. It's like November. No. September, August to February. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it's like they're hitting. It's hitting them on their birthdays. And yes. What, this this like. I don't oh, know. Fuck. I don't know, but I think is there's something freaking going on there. Whether it's a portal. What's or, your favorite conspiracy? I I think they're all tied together for me for like the energy vortex, the um, dimension, the ETs, because I think ETs run portals. Like I yeah. think they're the ones that are controlling them. Um, because even when we saw the last alien abduction I covered, the woman said that they were creating portals into her bedroom. Oh, wall, yeah. And they could just snag her. Like, it's not like they're, you know, pulling you up in a spaceship like you see in Was movies. that on Patreon? Um, I don't remember. It I think that was been. on Patreon. Oh, they haven't even Whales, right? Yeah. Hi, I'm sorry. You'll hear that on Patreon. Oh, Actually, it well, be it'll out. be out. It'll be out tomorrow. Yeah. So she was saying that they can create portals just right there in her, like, ceiling in her um, bedroom, and they're able to just pull her out. So I think that that all three tied together the dimension the portals the extraterrestrials maybe it's just such like a high energy place that maybe there is a manning rock i don't know no really though that's what i was gonna say i think the energy in the place is so crazy and that it pos- it has the ability to harbor you know these um crypt- yeah these cryptic creatures these yeah. things i think this is where it would exist and i think this the energy being so crazy is the reason that these towns have become abandoned yeah and i think that i i wouldn't say more so on the paranormal side but more so on the supernatural side Mm -hmm. that people are just like why wait what is they're getting pushed away Mm -hmm. but certain people are getting called to for certain reasons and i don't know those reasons i just think it is one giant anomaly that's for fucking fact that is for sure Um, and it is definitely totally fucked up (laughs) Yeah, it is totally fucked up. I liked how you did that. Yeah. I, liked I was going to try to do it and like ease into totally fucked up. <laughs> Guys, this wasn't much of a tri- a trifecta, but it was, but it, it wasn't. Was. It was more of like the true creeps and crimes. It was, it, we hit the creeps, so we hit the crimes. Yeah, we hit like everything about the creeps, and that's everything on about the crimes. <laughs> and that's undone. And that's on period. Oh my, Morgan keeps putting her hand up. <laughs> you guys know. Oh, goodness gracious. I like this episode. I wish 
I could have delivered it to you better. And there wasn't a fucking power saw outside my window right, right now. Right now, I know, literally, the amount of traffic going on right now. This is insane. Um, Should we read them some reviews? Yeah, let's read you guys some reviews in the TFU section. So Morgan hit them with it. If you're drinking... If you're driving, slow the fuck down. <laughs> if you're drinking, don't fucking drive. And remember, this is totally, totally fucked, fucked up. up. Okay, the first one we have is from Unicorn Paris. Love the name. It love says, it. love, 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 five stars. Everyone listen to this now. If you like true crime, this is it. It's like a two-in-one. You have the creepy conspiracy and also the creepy true crime story. Aww. Thank you, Unicorn Paris. Thank you, Unicorn Paris. Morgan, can you read the next one? My yes. computer, my phone just shut down. The next one is from Zinbadesti. Yeah. It says, love it, five stars. Found Taylor on TikTok and decided to come give it a listen. It is now my go-to podcast while I'm embalming now. Nothing oh. like creeps and crimes in the funeral home at 3 a.m. You guys kill it. Y'all are... Oh, you, my God. Are you okay? Oh, girl. I would not be able to listen to us. Hey, that's okay. crazy. I found it now. All right. This one is from Crystal914. And the it's two emojis of a zombie and then a knife. I love it. Five stars. And my new favorite podcast. Love it. Thank you. Um, thanks for something great to listen to at work. Love the way they tell their stories and ask questions that I'm thinking. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Um, the next one is from Ecor Benali. Maybe. Um, it says obsessing capital letters five stars. I wish I had the words to explain my love for this podcast. I found them on TikTok and immediately binged all of the videos, oh then instantly went to the podcast. I'm in love with all things creepy and true crime. I love listening to them while I work or literally do anything. I feel like I'm listening to my besties tell my fave kind of stories. Keep it up. Oh, thank you so much. The next one we have is from One Direction is my life. Yeah. <laughs> nice, it says, love, 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 five stars. Found Taylor on TikTok and became obsessed. So happy to find um, out that there was a podcast, my favorite podcast to listen to with hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next one is from Courtney Friday. It says five stars with five stars. Um, started listening after I found them on TikTok. Now I listen every day during work. New favorite podcast, red or yellow, white heart, red, yellow, whatever. <laughs> red, yellow, white heart. Okay, the next one is um, from Seth Ian, uh, South Carolina. Hey. Uh, 10 out of 10, five stars. Y'all stay creepy. <laughs> it's uh, only been about a week and I've listened to all of y'all's episodes every day on my way to work and on my break. So cool that you're from Tennessee because I'm from South Carolina. Hey, um, love to support semi-local creators. Y'all are awesome and have so much enthusiasm and also engage your audience in the best ways. Much love and keep slaying. Hey, thank you. I feel like we maybe have read these, but I don't think so. I don't think we've read that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one is from Gabby D0128. It says, love this ish. Five stars. I found y'all on TikTok and immediately ran to listen to an episode. Needless to say, I've been binging every single day since. I love the combo of conspiracy, aliens, true crime, etc. I get my fix for it all. Never stop posting and I promise I'll never stop listening. XOXOG. Oh. Thank Thanks, Gabby. you. Um, this next one is from Hannah J93099. Amazing five stars. I had finished my last podcast of a different show and I was super sad about it. I found this podcast while looking for another podcast to listen to on my way to and from work. And I'm so happy I stumbled upon this podcast. It makes driving to work so much better. But when I get off work, late at night after listening to the podcast it makes me walk a lot faster to my apartment oh i love you guys yeah me too <laughs> me too i'm always running out to my car yeah and i have to go watch her when she walks out um the last one we have is from devin barrett it says if you aren't listening to creeps i can't see the rest of the title but i 
You know what I'm saying. I think it says if you're not listening to Creeps and Crimes, you're doing something wrong. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Five stars. I finally caught up on and that's why we drink podcasts and desperately needed a new podcast to binge while working. And their ladies do and these ladies do not disappoint. Thank goodness I work from home because the amount of times I bust out laughing from their commentary <laughs> would have me fired. These girls are amazing storytellers and don't let them fool you. Even the early episodes are great. Okay. Uh, that's arguable. No, Devin. Uh, we don't know. Thank you so much, guys. Those mean the world to us. I read yeah. them over and over and over and over again. I know. That's why I feel like we've read them because we do read them over and over we, and over we again. send them to each other we talk about them all day long because they make us the happiest people on the planet yeah so thank you guys so much for sending those in i promise by next week maybe not by the creepy account you're hearing before this um that i'm going to shut the fuck up and rest my voice yeah we'll <sighs> see because that's in four days that we record oh, fuck, the next I forgot. one no okay maybe you're gonna have it for 76 too but by saint patty's day it will be better i'll be back in full swing yeah and if not i'm going to the hospital or you're gonna have to take <laughs> me to a, an insane asylum because i can't I have to talk oh my god i literally think i'm going crazy all right guys i love you guys and thank you guys so much for um fighting through that with me yeah. <laughs> morgan really carried the episode today so thank you for doing oh, that's that. bullshit but you um, did you did all right love you guys bye bye oh i can't get it turned off okay bye